I've said this multiple times. And as I said before, when we started this series, oftentimes we talk about faith that can be intimidated because all of us will want to have more faith. But most of us will say that we don't believe we have enough faith. So I want you to take this note with you. Salvation faith is the foundation for all other faith development. If you have believed God for salvation, you have enough faith to believe him in any other area of your life. Because it is the foundation we build upon. Well said. Many times as believers, we think that we need to have faith to believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and then additional faith that he can get us through various situations that happen throughout our lives. We only need to believe that he is the Son of God, and that faith covers everything. Pastor Martin continues his sermon series entitled, How to Face Impossibilities. Follow along in Matthew chapter 19, verses 21 through 26, as Pastor Martin explains. When you look into this text, you see that there's a reaction that the disciples have to what Jesus said, because if we're all honest here today, there's none of us that would really truly shun being rich. If you had a grandfather that died tomorrow that you didn't know existed and they called you and said there was a will and there was some inheritance left, you'd get excited about that even when you found out it was just $200. <laughs> but the idea of having is something that each one of us would desire and certainly appreciate. Having security, we see that the young man had security because the Bible said he had much wealth. But the Bible also cautions us against putting our confidence in uncertain wealth because the reality that we must always come to resolve in our hearts is that even though we may have much, we could never forget the source because of the abundance of our resources. So when the disciples say this, well, who then can be saved? Because Lord, we would love, we would love to be in his position. We, we would want to have what he has because notice they were not rich. And he said that this difficulty is for the rich. And their response was, well, then who can be saved? Because they knew and understood that everyone would want to have much resource. But the key that we must find here is that we talk about impossibilities. Jesus uses this as a moment to really help teach them something about faith. Because in this life, as a human being, we will be faced with something that seems to be insurmountable or beyond our reach and then also be faced with the reality of our limitations in trying to obtain it. So ultimately, when we find ourselves looking at what it means to trust and put our confidence in God, we find that what he would have us to do is to always recognize that the just or the justified must live by faith. So every area of my life, I need faith. which is why we're talking about faith and the importance of faith. 
But today we want to look at how do we face impossibilities? Because at some point in your life, if you've not already been there, if you've not had that experience, at some point you're going to face a situation that seems to be beyond your capacity, beyond your reach. And the beauty and the blessing of having a heavenly father who sits high and looks low is that when something is too big for your hands, then you know it's not for your hands. Okay, you missed that. Because if you reach for it and you realize you cannot get a grip on it, then that means the hand that's supposed to work on it is bigger than yours. So then at that point, I need faith to trust that the one who has the ability can do what needs to be done. So I want to begin this morning with a quote. Because as we think about this definition of impossibility, I looked this up and I, I took the word impossible and I looked for some synonyms that I thought might help to bring context to why this is important. So here's a few synonyms before I give you, I share this quote. Not, it's not uh, able to occur or exist or be done. It's unfeasible, impractical, non-viable, unworkable, unthinkable, unimaginable, inconceivable, and in some cases just absolutely absurd. Because when you think about what faith is, all of these can speak to a circumstance that may present itself where in which you may use one of these to describe your condition or your circumstance However, Jesus has already given us the remedy and said that with God, these synonyms don't apply. They may be applicable in my circumstance or as I navigate life, but when it comes to trusting God, they just don't apply. So I want to begin by sharing this. Dr. Oliver B. Green was a theologian and evangelist Uh, He actually started back in uh, the 50s. He had a a prominent radio broadcast that was entitled The Gospel Hour, heard by millions. But Dr. Green had a quote that he shared on faith. And here's what he said about faith. He said, faith believes God simply because God is God. Faith believes God simply because God is God. Now, I want you to think about that because when we start thinking about what it means to trust God, we must start with the reality that he's God and that he's outside of our ability to figure out. And he expands, he expanses beyond anything that we could actually reach to obtain. So ultimately, we start with him being God. And here's how Paul described Abraham. Abraham is considered the father of faith. And, and we talk about how he believed God. And many of us have heard the stories of Abraham's faith. But here's what Paul said about Abraham in Romans chapter 4 and verse number 3. He says, And what for for what does the scripture say? 
Abraham believed God, period. There's a comma there because it goes on to say that it was, a, it was, it was accounted to him for righteousness, but, but we stop with the fact that he just believed God, not believed in God, not believed that he could, but he just believed him. If God said it, I believe it, because here's what you have to understand, that when Abraham was told he would have, he'd be father of many nations, he had no children. And he was already past the childbearing years. But he believed God. So in his believing God, he concluded that if God told me as he's climbing a mountain and he's there getting ready to sacrifice Isaac, he's there believing, still believing God because here's what he believed. God said, this boy will have children. Watch this now. God said, this boy whom I'm getting ready to kill will have children, but he doesn't have children. So here's what the writer of Hebrews said, that Abraham concluded while he was there on that mountain that he was going to kill Isaac and then step back and God was going to raise him back up. But nobody had told him that. He just believed that if God was going to give this man, this child, children, he had to be alive to do it. So he just believed. So to him, believing God meant to just Trust it, if God is God, he can do what seems to be impossible to me. So here's a note, because we've said, I've said this multiple times, and as I said before when we started this series, oftentimes we talk about faith, it can be intimidating because all of us will want to have more faith. But most of us will say that we don't believe we have enough faith. So I want you to take this note with you. Salvation faith is the foundation for all other faith development. If you have believed God for salvation, you have enough faith to believe him in any other area of your life. Because it is the foundation we build upon. Unless we accept it, we forget that even saving us was a miracle. Because the truth is, we, we, liked, we, we loved being in sin, didn't we? We wore well. We put on our best, didn't we? we did, you, did, you didn't have step when you went to do wrong. Come on now, be honest. You didn't have step when you went to do wrong. You went, you went all in. You were committed. You committed. Hey, if I'm going to do this thing, I'm going to do it right. So the fact that God would say to you that the road you're on is a wrong road and I've got a different road, that in and of itself was, took some convincing. So the miracle of salvation gives us a foundation to believe God to do even more things. So let's go on. Because here's what Paul says, and, and, and you say, well, Pastor, where do you get that from? Where you get it from? You know, you're just, just making up stuff up there. No, because Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 17, he says that we go from faith 
to faith. Romans 1 and 17, for in, the, in, this, in, in, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Faith for salvation goes from faith to even more faith. If he's willing to save me, he's willing to keep me. If he's willing to keep me, he's, go, he's willing to bless me. If he's willing to bless me, he's going to provide for me. If he's going to protect me, he's going to protect me. He's going to keep me. He's going to provide. All of these things come with him saving me. So because he saved me and I had faith enough to believe him to save me, I've got to have faith enough to believe he can keep me. And if he's keeping me, he's going to also bless me. And in the end, we find ourselves trusting him all the more. Okay, so my first point for the day, because as, as you note, this message is entitled, How to Face Impossibilities. So the first thing, when it comes to finding yourself trusting God in a, an impossible situation or an improbable situation, the first thing you must do is you must first acknowledge and then comprehend God's ability. First, acknowledge his ability and then comprehend his ability. Because when you look here, look back in the text. Look, let's look at verse number 24. And again, I say to you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of, of God. When his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus looked at them and said to them, with men... This is an impossibility. With God, all things are possible. So Jesus takes and he, 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 puts, he, he puts two very distinct objects against one another. He says, the eye of a needle and a camel. I, I, I couldn't resist, so I had, to go, I had to go look. And so here's what I found, that... Even at birth, a baby camel, because you may have said, well, maybe, maybe a baby camel could do it, but, he, but, but even at birth, a, a camel is born between 80 and 100 pounds. And it's already several feet long. So when you think about what Jesus is doing, what he does is he sets them up with an impossibility. Now, an adult camel, maybe they were looking around and saw one adult camel. An adult camel can be anywhere between 7.2 feet long and 11.5 feet long and weigh as much as 1,320 pounds. So now imagine standing there and Jesus says this. He says, listen, it's easier for, that, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to be saved. That was a pretty impossible thing. But he was using that in order to introduce to them God's ability. Because those who are physics majors would say, hey, the physics just don't work. A camel going through the eye of a needle. But you have to understand, the one who created the law of physics 
has the right to reorganize the law as he chooses. So with man, it's impossible. With God, is all things are possible because he is God. Now, so I said acknowledge his ability and we must then comprehend his ability. The first thing we have to do is acknowledge his ability. Now, Genesis chapter 1 says something, and I want to make sure that you, 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 can, you, you agree with this. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, I know as you matriculated through your years of schooling that they never said that. Maybe if you went through a Christian school, they, they, they would share that. But this idea of God being the creator or the starting point for all that we know, that's why when we talk about trusting God and believing God because he's God, you start with saying, in the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. But here's the key. Even if you acknowledge that God created the heavens and the earth, then you have to comprehend his ability because the question that we must answer is, how did he do it? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, I can accept that. But can you comprehend how he did it? Because as you go from verse 3 in that first chapter of Genesis all the way down through verse 24, several times it says, and God said, and it was. Wait a minute. Hold on, God. Now, you mean to tell me, yeah, I can accept that you made all this stuff, but you mean to tell me you said it, and it was? That's comprehending his power and his ability that all he has to do is speak it and it comes into existence. So when I understand and acknowledge his ability and then I comprehend his ability because how he did it, he just said it. And if he could just say it and it is so, then all I need to know is that God is God, and whatever he says comes to pass. So to support this, God spoke, speaking through Jeremiah, Jeremiah verse 32, verse 27 says it this way, says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me. If you made the heavens and the earth and you did all that by just speaking, then surely whatever I have going on, you are able to speak over that as well. Because sometimes we don't come, as we talked about this a couple weeks ago, we don't come to God with crumby faith. I'm going to keep talking about this crumby faith. Because the woman said that God, he said, yes, Lord, that, but even the dogs under the table eat the crumbs. 
she understood that all she, she didn't need God to do anything spectacular. She just needed to do what he does. Eats the crumbs that fall from the table. The songwriter put it this way. Any way you bless me, Lord, I'll be satisfied. He understood that, hey, even if I get a crumb from you, Jesus, it'll be plenty. It'll be plenty. So here's the thing that we understand. If we're going to face impossibility, the first thing we must acknowledge God's ability and we must comprehend his ability because, yes, he made the heavens and the earth, but he did that by simply speaking. And if we understand his ability and we comprehend his capacity, then the next thing we have to do is we must identify doubt, then counter doubt with faith. See, one of the things that I enjoy about the game of chess is that the game of chess, for those who, who, who know chess, who play chess, are familiar. If you're not, the game of chess is a game in which every move you make, you must anticipate a counter move. Now, I tend to be aggressive. I lose a lot. <laughs> I, I lose a lot. I just see what I'm trying to do. I, I, I don't think about what they might do after I do it. I do. The worst game I played, I was beaten in five moves because I was aggressive. I knew he was better than I was. So I'm going to go after and put him on the defense. And before I knew a checkmate, I was like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> but the key here, in the game of chess, Every move that is made anticipates a counter move. So here's what I would say about faith in the same context. Every step of faith you take, you must anticipate that there's going to be some doubt. Just stepping out in faith and being aggressive, say, I'm going to believe you, God. You've got to anticipate at some point, I just might doubt. Which is why we must, as we hate, we recognize God's ability, comprehend his capacity, and we say, I want to trust you and step out in faith. But as I step out in faith, I've got to already anticipate at some point, I might start doubting. And if I anticipate that I might doubt, I begin my process already reassuring my faith. See, the, the, the great chase chess players are already anticipating multiple moves, believing that there's going to be counters. And do you understand that anytime you get confident about your father, your adversary is not glad about that? He doesn't say, oh, you know what? She getting ready to believe God like she's never believed him before. Bless her heart. She loves Jesus and she's going to believe him this time. He doesn't. He says, oh, okay. You're going to trust God, huh? All right, let's see. You, it was in the 10th hour last time that you stopped trusting, so I got you. Tenth hour. <gasps> Yet I'll trust you. Eleventh hour. <sighs> Yet I'll trust you. 
because it takes anticipating the moment that I might begin to doubt. It's important because here's how James put it. And I, and I like this translation, the NSB 1995. It says it this way, but he must ask, this is James chapter one and verse six, but he must ask in faith without any doubting. For the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the winds. Do you realize if you don't anticipate doubt when you're gonna trust God, your emotions will be all over the place. One morning you shouting, God is going to do it. <laughs> By evening time, you, you're under the covers. Oh, Lord, when he going? <laughs> you done called your girlfriend. Girl, God, I'm trusting God. I feel good in Jesus. By noon, I don't know what God doing. I don't know where... Because, see, notice how the waves of the wind, strong retreat, strong retreat. But, but knowing that there's going to be a counter of doubt, I come into the game already realizing that while I'm trusting God, I'm also watchful for doubt creeping in. Because I anticipate doubt coming. Third point for the day. Once we have realized God's ability, comprehended his capacity, and we understand that we have to be prepared for doubt to creep in, then you can't just sit there on your laurels. You have to then reassure your faith by praying in faith. Because oftentimes when it comes to prayer, we just start praying things that we may not necessarily fully believe. So then, if I know that I'm going to trust God, and I understand that faith comes by hearing the word, when I'm on a faith journey, I've got to be full of the word. Here's the note. We counter doubt with faith and we feed faith with the word of God. Because if you're going to step out and trust God, you're not going to be able to sustain in that confidence without the word. You can't say, I'm just going to believe God. I'm going to put my Bible study down. Because one of the things that when we're praying, we must pray God's word. Here's the important thing, because it's important to you when you're trusting God to pray his word. Because oftentimes we hear things about faith and trusting God that are not necessarily commensurate to the word of God. We, hear, we have different things that we've heard that people have said, and it sounds really good, but it's not founded in the word. So the key is I have to make sure that I'm praying God's word or praying according to his word. So here's how this works. If you're going to believe God for healing, then what does the Bible say about healing? And as you begin praying, praying through the word. You say, God, I need, I need some strength. What does the Bible say about God strengthening us? How does he strengthen us? What does he strengthen us with? 
The joy of the Lord is my strength. Okay, praise God. If I'm going to believe God to protect and keep me, or I need, I've got needs that are not being met, what does God say in his word about provision? If I'm afraid and nervous about protection and being safe, what does God say about keeping me? Because when I'm praying his word, then I know that I'm praying according to his will because I'm praying his word and his word reveals his will. Here's how this thing works because somebody might set you up and tell you to just go out there and just say what you say. Then when it don't happen, you say, well, God didn't let me down. Well, I wasn't bound to that. You said that. I didn't make that promise. You said that. Because, see, we have to, no matter what, when we're praying, we have to also acknowledge his will. Amen? Now, let me say this. That's not a, a crutch to not trust God in faith. Because sometimes we're praying and we, we undo the whole prayer by saying, well, Lord, according to your will. And that, that means, you know what, you're saying that, hey, I, I ain't believing. So it's not a default to, to keep, but you come in acknowledging God's will. And what does that mean, Pastor Martin? It means, here's a key concept to take, to take away from today, is that when we come to God, we must have absolute confidence he will do it until he reveals he's, he's not going to do it. Oh, wait a second. Have absolute confidence that he's going to do it until he reveals he's not going to do it. Here's how this works. David, remember David, King David? David and Bathsheba, she, she was pregnant. God said, David, that baby's going to die. David begins to pray and fast. And here's how this worked. He wouldn't eat. He didn't want to dress himself, didn't want to clean himself. And so he's, he's praying and he's praying and he's praying. And then he hears the servants whispering. Now, they were short to come. They were slow to come tell him because they thought, what is he going to do when he hears this news? He's praying. He's praying. He's praying. He's asking. He's believing. He's trusting. He hears them whispering. He says, what are you guys whispering about? They come, they say, Master, the child is dead. Yeah. David pauses. Then he says, okay, get my clothes ready, run me a bath, and prepare me some food. Yeah. They go do this. He cleans up. He's sitting there at the table eating because he wouldn't eat. He wouldn't clean himself before the baby died. Now he's eating and clean after the baby's dead. They said, well, Lord, uh, Master, uh, help us with this. Um, while the child was alive, you wouldn't eat, wouldn't clean yourself. We're a little puzzled because you're eating and cleaning yourself after it's dead. Here's what David said. He said, because I was asking God, if he would do it. But now that he's revealed he's not going to do it, I can't stay down there. Now he's revealed what his will is and he's not going to change it. So let me get on about my business. 
this idea of acknowledging God's will does not negate having great confidence in his ability and trusting him until his, his will is revealed. Here's what John had to say about it. First John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15, he says, Jesus said to him, <clears throat> excuse me, because in John chapter, I don't think that's the right one. Is that it? Okay. Yeah, 514. That's not, well, let me turn there. I don't think that's it. Here, and there it is. And this is the confidence that we have in him. That when we pray according to his will, he hears us. Why do we pray his word? Because we have this confidence when we pray according to his will, he hears us. And if we, if we, he hears us, then we have the requests that we make. Yes. The reality of knowing that in this confidence, when we're praying his word, have absolute confidence in him, his ability. If he doesn't have a counter will to it, we can have whatever it is. Some things we've asked God for that we never considered did he have a will in it because it concerned us. You just wanted the job. You didn't ask, was it God's will for you to have it? You just wanted him to be your man. You just thought she had some hips, dips, and all the chips. You just say, hey, I just, I just want all of that, God. Just, 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 just lead it to me, Jesus. And then he revealed, no, she ain't it, you know. Y'all sitting at dinner, she didn't went off. You talking, you just talking about, you know, something simple. She didn't went off and had a flashback. You know, oh. <laughs> I thought we just talking about baloney here. You didn't. You done, you, done, you done went off on all meat and all cows and animals and I'm just talking about bologna as a sandwich. My mama, she cooked it. You know, we. So when we acknowledge that, that he may have a will, we trust that we have this confidence when we're praying according to his will, we hear it. And the safest place to be is in his word when it comes to praying his will. Amen. I'm done. Okay, this is the last one. This is fourth one. Then you got to remind yourself what God has already done. You got to remind yourself of what God has already done. But here's the challenge that we have, that we're more apt to communicate the details of the challenge than we are to recount the testimony of God's faithfulness. That wraps up another awesome word. If you're in need of prayer, counsel, or if we can assist in any way, please don't hesitate to ask. If you would like to join, contact us or receive these and other sermon notes, visit us at amitybc.org. Until next week, be blessed.